Throughout history, free thinkers have outraged the religious with their wacky ideas about the virtues of free speech, reason, and of course, eating babies. Now, God is dying, and it's time to dispose of his remains. From the pits of hell, Satan sends two puppets of the imperialist West and the Zionist Jews against God, Islam, and tiny kittens to bring you their propaganda and conspire for a new world order. This is Secular Jihadists for a Muslim Enlightenment with Ali Rizwi and Armin Navabi. Welcome everybody to another episode of Secular Jihadists for a Muslim Enlightenment. My name is Ali Rizvi. Um, Armin isn't here this week, but um, we're going to go ahead with it anyway, because we always do without Armin. Um, he'll be back next time. Uh, so today, um, what I've actually been pursuing this guest for a while. He's a stand-up comedian. Um, uh, his name is Jafar Khan. And before we start talking to him or doing anything, I just want to play, uh, I'm going to Share this, I'm going to play a short clip of uh, one of his bits. Um, um, you're white. Yeah? You woke? He said, uh, uncertain in the face of a POC? That's woke. Good job, dude. Good job. You are going to survive 2020. I know it's scary for you right now. Scary for y'all. I'm loving it. I'm enjoying it a little too much. Um, my favorite thing right now is watching woke white people struggle with exactly how much they're supposed to embrace Islam. <laughs> yeah, it's complicated. And wokeness, they, wokeness does not do well with nuance, right? It, it crumbles. I'll give you, like, so here's my example. Uh, in Norway last year, they implemented a burqa ban, a ban on wearing the burqa in public. A lot of uh, progressive European countries are doing this because the burqa is oppressive to women. So, Brooklyn, we're gonna do a fun little poll and everyone has to participate. I can see you. I don't care how terrified and white you are. You have to pick a side, okay? Pick a side. So clap, make some noise right now if you are leaning, leaning more towards being against a ban on burqas. Okay, good, a lot of y'all, a, a lot of enemies of Muslim women. Keep them down, put them back on, the neighbors are coming. That's, that's y'all. Uh, cool, okay, other side, clap, make some noise. If you are leaning more towards supporting a ban on burqas. Thank you, one courageous, one racist Islamophobe in the corner. Cool, great crowd we have here in Brooklyn. Um... All right, uh, Jafar Khan, welcome. Hold on, let me stop sharing the screen for those okay. people watching this on video. Um, so yeah, I, I didn't tell you this when we were talking before, but uh, the video podcast, like our patrons, the people who support us, they get to see you on video and they get to see actually mm -hmm. the clip. Uh, everybody else is going to be able to hear it. Um, so welcome to the podcast and thank you for coming on and taking out. No, thank, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, that's a great clip. So um, first of all, how are you doing in quarantine? I mean, you're you're a you're a stand up comedian. You're in New York City. So you. Yeah. Supposed I'm to go Brooklyn. out. I mean, I'm, I'm in Williamsburg. So I mean, Williamsburg, we're always in the center of pandemics yeah. and diseases. <laughs> um, but uh, things are, you know, it's weird, but it's. Um, 
you know, uh, everything's closed. I just go, I, I don't know how similar other cities are to New York right now. I know that obviously we're the epicenter, but um, over here, you know, everything's closed and you go outside, you wear a face mask, keep your distance and uh, just trying to cope with, you know, isolation, but uh, you know, I'm fine. Uh, I'm doing. Yeah. Just, doing just, right. you know, I thought, um, cause I remember I, 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 wrote to you about getting you on some time ago and then you know you're obviously busy because you're a working comedian so you tend to go out at night and you work at nights uh, and that's usually when we end up recording um so when the quarantine happened it was one of the first things i thought of. i was like oh yeah so he's probably not working <laughs> nope <laughs> i'm not working yeah, yeah selfish reasons you shouldn't even be calling me a comedian on this show i'm an unemployed person right now yeah so so you're from, um, I just want to get, you know, said, especially with this, when it comes to this podcast, I mean, you're from a background where uh, you grew up in Houston, you come yes. from a Muslim family, right? Yes. Um, and uh, so you, you grew up there and somehow, you know, you sound from your routines that you've become more secular and yes. it's, uh, and you found your way into comedy. So this is probably a long story, but I'm really curious to hear it. So how, how did it start? Were you born in Houston or are you born and raised okay. here? Uh, yeah. yeah, this will take a while. Um, but go for it. Go there's, for it. A lot, there's a lot of little fun things. Feel free to cut, jump in whenever. But yeah, yeah, I was born. Um, I was born in Houston uh, to parents. Um, my dad, a uh, very religious Muslim, but not not religious. Like uh, you know, I I don't believe in any of it, but I do respect my dad's faith he has as far as relig religiosity goes you know he's, he's open-minded and he's non-judgmental and uh, he never tried to force it on me he had real faith and he understands that you can't force faith on onto someone you know if they don't believe they don't believe so it wasn't a big um issue when i told my parents i was no longer but but the uh the other thing is that my dad's very religious my mom is very non-religious my mom uh yeah. Yeah, which is interesting. And uh, it was actually one of the reasons they got married was because at the time my dad was also non-religious. And my mom, you know, they, they both grew up in Karachi, Pakistan and sort of, I mean, you know how those how a lot of marriages goes in those communities, sort of like, you know, our son is looking for a wife. Oh, our, our daughter is looking for a husband. We like each other. Let's see, we, you know, if it works out. And so that was like one of, uh, that was a major thing for my mom. She doesn't want to marry a Muslim man as one of a typical Muslim life. Uh, so, and then, you know, obviously they got along and they got married. And then uh, it wasn't until like later on, like um, right as, right before I was born, right as I was being raised as a baby, when my dad became very religious mm -hmm. and uh, growing up, that was always a weird tension I felt with my parents. Um, and so I, I talk about this on stage a lot. Um, but, uh, I remember like when I finally, cause they didn't tell me that my mom wouldn't tell me and my, my parents wouldn't tell me the truth behind the religiosity of my dad versus my mom. They just told me, Oh, mom is just less religious. You know, they didn't say the truth where mom hates all of this. She's has all this deep seated resentment against my dad for believing in God, which is, uh, you know, just a funny thing to fight over. Um, but, uh, you know, like, like when I finally, um, you know, again, I talk, I, I talk about this on stage, but like when I finally like, uh, told my parents, I sat them down to tell them, 
you know, I think you need to know I don't believe in any of this anymore. Believe this anymore. I was very afraid of my parents' reaction, but my reaction, my parents' reaction was my mom turning to my dad, like, ha, in your face, right? <laughs> two on two v one now, you know, but um, you know, it would it wasn't exactly like that. That that's something I, I make that scene up for the sake of comedy. But one thing, uh, you know, there were real moments that were really funny. So this is a real moment for my life. Um, you know, uh still in high school. Um, now we're all open, you know, I don't believe in God. My mom, my mom's spiritual, he doesn't believe in Islam. My dad, very religious. There's this weird tension, you know, my mom always had this resentment towards my dad for believing in God. And it would come out in little ways. I remember one time I was asking my mom if I can go, uh, you know, pick up some pizza for dinner. I was asking for a little bit of money. I was like, all right, John, you can go. And I was like, all right, mom, I'm gonna get a pepperoni pizza and uh, I'm gonna get a cheese pizza. And my mom was like, well, who's the cheese pizza for? I was like, it's for dad because <laughs> he doesn't eat pork because he's Muslim. Remember, mom? My mom was just like, ugh. <laughs> she was like visibly annoyed. Uh, so that 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 I have like a long bit about all this, but it all like forms around that one real moment that happened where my mom rolled her eyes because we had to get a cheese pizza for our Muslim dad. Um, so yeah, definitely had an abnormal upbringing when it comes to. Um, yeah, that's Islam. Yeah, that's so. What is it? I'm because usually a, a lot of times I've seen that it's the other way around, uh, with a lot of sort of young secular atheist agnostic uh, people from the Muslim community. Is that their fathers are not very religious, but their mother is very religious. So mm -hmm. your mother, you said, right from the time before she got married, when she was growing up in Pakistan, um, somehow she just. Uh, developed this uh, thing against religion she just decided to leave it or just didn't want somebody as religious how how did uh that come about have you talked to your mom about that yeah i have actually pretty recently um yeah my mom um i don't know i can't really speak for my mom because i don't know i don't know much about this but i know she her father uh someone i a lot of people really looked up to and he was just a very open-minded guy. So, and, and, you know, he, he, he passed away, but I remember like going through, I always knew him as a very, like just an intelligent, as a thinking man, but you know, he was Muslim and he was practicing, but like going, I would, uh, I came across all his books and he had so many books on like Buddhism and Hindu philosophy. Like, like, so he was just, uh, a man of, he was a truth seeking man. And so he sort of imparted that on, uh, his kids. So my mom, like, I don't know much, but I get the, I get the, I've always gotten the feeling that my mom was pretty open, like I was to her father about her questions. And he was open with taking her questions. And um, so she also, I, I, I believe, was not really pressured. Um, mm. So she was lucky in that regard as well. And, uh, and yeah, and so she just was open and was able to be, as a young Pakistani girl kind of questioning all that. And her dad was, was totally, was supported that. Well, that's, yeah, that, that's great. And it's actually kind of uncommon, especially in Pakistan. Cause I, yes. I grew up in Pakistan. I lived in, like, I think uh, five or six years in Karachi and I lived in Lahore um, as well. I was born in Lahore and the um, just generally it's a lot, the society there is a lot tougher, but I mean, a lot is an understatement. It's almost yeah. infinitely tougher on, on, on women. And yeah. generally, women who are not religious 
um, are considered, I mean, even women, at least when I was growing up there, women who wore jeans in marketplaces, yeah. they were just thought to be, well, they're asking for it, right? So yeah. um, if, if there was a woman who talked about skepticism about being Muslim, then it was just assumed that she's loose character. The only reason she wants to leave Islam is because she wants to meet boys and have sex and drink alcohol yeah. or whatever. Um, that's a, I mean, there's a lot of really harsh sort of societal judgment there. Yeah. Um, and did your mom go through any of that or did, was she very open about the way she thought? I mean, having a supportive dad, a supportive father really helps, obviously. Yeah. I, I don't think she, yeah. I mean, I don't know much. I know my mom, my mom seemed um, to be very happy and very secure. That, that's something my mom's really uh, uh, passed down on me. She's very um, self-assured and very secure with who she is. And mm -hmm. I know, her father has a lot to do with that. Um, so, and her, and her dad was a very like, just sort of like a force, like um, a big a big person. And so her being a part of that world and the world of her father and her father fully supporting her seemed to, you know, she, she didn't seem to be under attack from everyone. And, and that being said, I'm also sure my mom wasn't like this completely outspoken person about it. Like I'm sure, you know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't think she was touting, touting that everywhere she went, but it was something she was able to uh, express to her, to people immediately around her and, and feel comfortable doing so. And my dad, you know, my, my dad, he was, I mean, he was a, a man. So for him, it was infinitely easier. And uh, I know during that, like in his, in his youth, you know, in his twenties, he was, you know, reading Bertrand Russell, and uh, he was, he was, he was very. I don't know how my dad came or made a one eighty degree turn. Like, like so my dad has so much confidence that that I'm gonna end up making the same turn because, you know, I my uh, we always argue. My dad's also, believe it or not, a Republican, devout Muslim Republican, yeah. and so, you know, we argue about when I, when I was young, when I was a teenager, we we argue about religion, but now when I'm older, we argue about politics, and my dad will will laugh. Um, at my views with this confidence of knowing like he really believes that I'm going to do a 180 degree turn and go from like a leftist atheist to a Republican Muslim, just like him, because he went through the same thing. But I, I don't know how anyone can do that. But my dad did. He managed it. So, yeah, uh, the Republican Muslim thing is there's actually quite a lot of them. I have some in yeah. my uh, extended family, too. And it always brings especially nowadays in the Trump age. It's 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 amazing. Uh, but yeah, then, then you think, you know, you're like, well, social conservatism, you know, a, a lot of, especially uh, Pakistani people I've noticed who come to the US or come to Canada. Um, they usually, you know, they, they tend to be sort of capitalist minded. And at the same time, they tend yeah. to be socially conservative too. Yeah, it's um, less about Trump and more about just the worshiping the free market. Right, right. Worshiping so, a lot, worshiping the free market. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, see, that's a. I, I don't know if you have a bit about that, but I think that could be. But there's um, so when your uh, dad became religious, right? And you know, your mom had specifically looked for somebody who hadn't become that way. Then uh, how did that change things? Because I, I know you said that there was a they're fighting over whether you know. Yeah, really I mean, you know, I don't want to get into into details, but yeah, like sure, it caused yeah. it caused uh, issue like not. Not that not inherent to the belief itself, but um, you know, uh, yeah, it caused it caused like yeah, like like certain external 
things would happen like once you start becoming a religious person where my dad maybe wanted to make decisions that my mom didn't agree with and uh but those those issues you know um held up a larger broader issue of just the whole thing of just like uh this frustration of like you know i wanted to a big reason why i married you was because i didn't want this typical life and now yeah. now now we're both here um so from what i would see growing up is just the, the those little moments of like my mom rolling her eyes and i just thought that was so strange like why would why does mom get bothered so much that dad believes in God? Who cares? You know, like I don't believe in God anymore. I'm not mad at dad for believing in God. But then as I, as I got older and I would really one, just hear more of both my parents talk. And then, and also just, just, you know, understand about relation, relationship dynamics more as an adult, then I could see how, you know, it's more than just, someone believing something and someone not believing something when, when two people are married, you know, those, 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 those outlooks on life, you know, have consequences on how you want to live your shared life and, yeah. uh, well, how you want to raise your kids too, right? Like, yeah. And, and those, that would cause tension and stuff, but the, but, uh, but the way we just, the way I would see it, which is like, you know, again, my mom rolling her eyes at the concept of, of cheese pizza versus pepperoni pizza, but you know, yeah. I'm sure there was, there's huge, huge battles that they had, uh, yeah. you know. Do you, do you have other kids. siblings as well, or is it just you? Yeah, I have a little sister. Oh, okay. And um, so it, it, did it impact her, or is she kind of going through her own journey, or? Yeah, um, our family is basically split 50-50. Uh, so, so my sister is uh, is Muslim. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's her, it's her and uh, my dad versus me and my mom. <laughs> I mean, we're a big, we're a happy family, so we all get along, everything's fine, but it yeah, is split. Yeah. It's exactly, it's actually a lot like my family. So, um, yeah. you know, my family's also kind of split that there's, there, there are different levels of religiosity slash exactly. spirituality. Exactly. And, yeah. but everybody gets along. And I think that's one of the things that's tough um, for me to understand about a lot of the, because, you know, when I first started doing this and I talk, started talking about my sort of, you know, just my evolution, the same kind of thing that you went through. I, when I went through it, um, I started uh, talking about it mainly, uh, I think, around 2007, 2008. Um, and I started writing about it. And I think I wrote just sort of one thing as a one. I started writing about U.S. politics. That was my main thing. Mm -hmm. And I wrote one article about, you know, becoming, being secular or being an atheist from the Muslim world. And suddenly I started getting all these messages. And I started getting emails from, uh, pretty much all over the place. And so, and I've talked about this before on the show, like from Egypt and Malaysia and, and Pakistan, you know, young gay kids in Saudi Arabia yeah. where, where I grew up um, and the stories I was hearing. And I heard just, there was a girl in Canada who wrote to me who was a lesbian and she was about to be married to her first cousin in three wow. weeks. Yeah. She wrote to me and she's like, you know, I don't believe it. And she used to wear a burqa because her family made her and, so the whole thing was, I, I just realized that this was so much more serious uh, than I thought it would be. And I also- Yeah, we were both lucky that it was easy for us to, you know, get out of it. Yeah, we're, we're very privileged. I mean, the one thing that you, and you know, you do this in a joking way, but there's a lot of, there are a lot of layers to the way that you write your jokes. Like it's, it's very smart you know, when you, 
um, that that clip that you had that kind of went viral, the one true religion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where you talk about how you know Muslims actually really do believe in. Uh, yeah, you know um, that bit uh, is dear to my heart because um, it comes from it comes from growing up. You know, I, I grew up with uh, with my American friends that I really loved, and again, I was lucky that my my parents allowed me to get become so close with my American friends. I knew a lot of like our Daisy family friends, like like um, their parents wouldn't let them really have American friends, you know? Uh, but you mean like I, no, non, non-Muslim American friends? Yeah, so yeah, so they wouldn't get brainwashed by the West, you know? Um, but um, I remember like, you know, uh, being the one Muslim, you know, in class or, in our, but especially when I'd go have sleepovers, um, you know, we were, we were young kids. So we just like kind of make fun of each other. It was all in, it was all in good, it was all good natured, but um, you know, I'd get teased for, for my Muslim beliefs, whatever. Um, but I knew in the back of my head, cause my dad, my dad would uh, teach me about other religions as well. And, you know, you know, these American Christians aren't really learning about other religions. If you're, if you're the majority, you just don't really have as much of a reason to. But if you're a, if you're a minority in a country, then it makes sense to, to teach your minority child about, you know, the majority and what they believe, da, da, da. Yeah. So, like, I knew, I knew that um, my Muslim beliefs were not any more strange than their Christian beliefs. But I knew that um, Muslims, we just take our Muslims just take the religion more seriously. So... Yeah, we pray five times a day. We have we have these certain restrictions, but it's like I knew as Christians, they also had restrictions. They just didn't follow any of them. They just get to live in this nice medium of like modern, you know, American prosperity, where they just go to church once a week and don't really have to do anything else. Um, yeah. So I always had this in my head, where it's like y'all think I'm my religion's weird, but it's not. We're just we just actually follow our religion. That's what makes <laughs> us weird. You, your, your religion's weird too. You just don't follow it, so you get to kind of laugh at us. So um, that's where that bit came from. The one Islam yeah. is the one true religion, um, and I said because I you know I start with Jew, Jewish people, then Christians and Muslims, and it, basically I order it in terms of obviously I'm making huge generalizations, but I'm ordering it in in like uh, intensity of religious religiosity. Right. So right. Jewish Jew, Jews in America are pretty much secular, right? Um, so I, I start with them, that uh, and then I go down to Christians, and then. Finally, we, we see Muslims, and that's sort of the point I make at the end. Like that's why Muslims are so crazy, crazy, to, crazy to us because actually follow the religion religiously. You know, we're not used to that. Um, yeah. You know, the bit's funny. Watch the bit. I'm not going to do the bit, but uh, yeah, just, we're gonna. I'm gonna put a, a, a link to the uh, to it in the description. So if you're watching, the, if you're listening to this on iTunes or YouTube, if you just go look up this. Um, uh, the show online, you're going to see the the link to the description to some of the best bits that Joffrey has up. Um, did, not a whole lot of them yet. I hope that there's more to come. I'm pretty sure there will be, but uh, the, the yeah. stuff that's out yeah. there is just gold. Man. It's, Thanks, it's, man. Yeah, it's just it's ever. just uh, with, with stand up. It's like um, your material is more precious than like as a musician because if you put out a song, you know people can listen to that song over and over again and enjoy it. But when you put out a joke, you know people. You listen to a joke one time, you laugh. You listen to it the next time, you're not going to laugh. You know, it loses its value once it's yeah. heard before. So that's why stand ups. You know, it's, it's more it's 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 more precious. Like to give out our material, to put it out there. We're sort of sacrificing mm -hmm. it. You know, I can't do it live anymore if it's out there. 
Um, so you want to sort of hold on to it until you can get paid for it. And, you know, I haven't gotten, I haven't put out an album or a special. So all that stuff I put out for free, you know, so I'm trying to, yeah. Because there's a lot of people I think who, who know you now from it. Um, but so, so we're going to talk about a little bit about the, uh, the stand up and how you got into that. That's actually um, very, very interested in that. But, um, just, Oh, I was going to ask you one thing before that. Yeah. So what was, what was your, evolution in this. So you talked about, you know, your, your dad and you know, became more religious. Uh, your mother was sort of always non-religious. Um, what was it? Was it uh, influence from your mom? Was it discussions? Was it a slow process? Was it just a one day um, realization? It was certain experiences. Here's how I put it. It was, it was, it was a slow process of me of the, the doubt of religion was No, one second, Joffrey. If you hear me, you froze. Let me just get it back. One second. Can you see oh. me? Can you hear me? Yeah, you're back. You're back. So I'll I'll okay, make a cool. note of that. Hold on. And then, uh, so you, you were saying the doubt of religion was yeah. The, the doubt was 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 always there, and uh, it was it was growing. You know, um, but but the fear. You know, it's it's the doubt versus the fear of going to hell, you know? So, so the fear was beating the doubt most of my life, even though the, the doubt was there, you know, like I remember, but I remember like a big, a big conversation for me when I was young, my, my, me, me and my dad were reading the Quran. He was teaching me about Adam and Eve and how, you know, evolution's not real. We all, we all came from these two people. And so like, you know, as a kid, you have that, that very obvious question or so we all came from two people, dad. Yes. Okay. So, so Adam and Eve, they had kids, and then what happened? Then what happened? Well, then they had kids. I'm like, okay, well, how 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 did they have kids with their kids and travel all around the world and rediscover each other with different races and not be you know mentally handicapped in the process? And my dad, you know, just the typical answer. Well, that's just God. You know, that's just how great God is. He just pulls it off. And yeah. that was like a big. I was like, this is you know, this is crazy. Um, but again, I still. I kept the doubts at bay because you still have that fear in you, you know, what, you know, you don't want to go to hell and any of that. <clears throat> but, uh, it was my junior year in high school when I was 17, I sort of had like my 1968 where a lot of things, um, I don't, I don't know what, what happened first, but I started, uh, I, I accepted that I don't believe in God. I, um, started experimenting with like drinking and, and smoking and, uh, I started getting into sort of like leftist philosopher, I'm dipping my toes into like leftist philosophy as much as I could understand as a teenager. Mm -hmm. And also uh, stand up comedy. I, I got into really like sort of truth telling comedians who, when, when George Carlin and Bill Hicks would talk about religion, oh, yeah. it made so much sense to me. And like it, uh, it helped me not feel afraid of not believing in God anymore, seeing those voices and, and, and uh, how popular they were. I'm like, okay, th there's something to this other side. And mm -hmm. so then it all, it all, it all snowballed into one big thing when I was 17. And then I came out, came out on the other side of all of it. Yeah. And then, and then you sat down with your parents and you told them, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I did like that. Like I mentioned, like that part of the bit is sort of like, um, it's sort of like the dramatized as I guess they would say. Um, 
because my dad, my dad must have known. Like I was asking all these questions, I was actively debating him, so he knew. And uh, I'm sure there was a point where I did directly tell them, but it, it, I don't think it was this dramatic. Like let me sit everyone down, and you know. Yeah, and did you? Um, was there anything? So I, so I think one of the things the stand-up comedy was a big thing for me too. Like George Carlin. Yeah. Was, um, just, I don't know. I don't know how many times I've heard all of his uh, albums. And I remember, like, when my, uh, you know, when my dad died in 2001, mm. it, this is another thing. Whenever, you know, went through hard times, like, stand up comedy and music are the two things that sort of got me through. So every yeah. night I would listen to, like, a uh, George Carlin album, just completely got my mind off things. Uh, and I remember I just associate that with it. And then I met his uh, his daughter Kelly Carlin. Uh, I I met her at a conference that both of us were speaking at. Wow! And, and this was just I think it was about five or six years after George Carlin had died. Yeah. So that's the first. He died thing in like '08, right? Remember he died yeah. like around when I was graduating high school. That's right. Yeah. So so when he died, so I I remember telling him, I was like that's the first thing I told him I was like you know when when my dad died, right? I I was listening to like George yeah. Carlin records every night. So when he died, it completely, it actually traumatized me. Yeah. Wow. It was really, because I, I kind of grew up with him and I have all of his stuff essentially memorized. Like, yeah, he was brilliant. So who are, so you, how did you, um, you started getting into stand-up comedy when you were 17, right? You, I, I guess some of the truth telling comedians you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, I was, I wasn't in stand-up before that. Um, you know, I love Dave Chappelle. Uh, honestly, this is this is uh, it's not you know it's not that embarrassing. My my first I, my first stand up comedian that I fell in love with was Dane Cook. You know I was like 13, 14 years old. Sure, for that, that's pretty yeah. embarrassing. It's it's not you know he gets a lot of flag. Um, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. No, I know, but uh, whatever. I was 13, 14, and you know his comedy I think you know was kind of for younger people. Maybe not. It doesn't matter, but. Dan Cook, I think, was the person who was out maybe like, wow, this stand up, this is cool. Um, and then Chappelle show, and then Dave Chappelle, I fell in love with uh, really like, you know, intelligent comedy and then uh, intelligent stand up. But I was always, you know, I, I loved South Park. South Park was one of my first loves in comedy. Um, yeah. And that's a very like, you know, critical thinking, married to comedy sort of a thing. But yeah, you're right. Um, I, 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 I appreciated comedy a new level when I was 17. I, I got into all, all those comedians who were sort of challenging, you know, norms. And then I just loved, I loved comedy. I loved music. And, um, you know, I, I, I would play guitar and stuff, but it never crossed my mind I could do comedy. Um, but then I was in college. I delivered pizza with this guy, we we're all college kids. Uh, it was a college town, so everyone who worked there were all college kids. And yeah, he mentioned to me that there was an open mic in this little college town where he does comedy, tells jokes. Never, never crossed my mind you can just do that. So then, um, so then I just thought I'd try it out, and I quickly got the hang of it. I remember it took me two open mics where I had no idea what the hell I was doing. They didn't even understand what a joke was, and then something clicked after the second one, and then I wrote all these new jokes, and then they worked. And then, um, then I was like, you know, one of the, one of the better comedians in that little college town. But then 
after I graduated, I went to Texas A&M's little college town. After I graduated, moved back to Houston, didn't really have a plan of what to do with my life. But I moved back in with my parents. Uh, I quietly decided not to go to grad school. I didn't really tell them that until I should have told them that way earlier than I did. What did um, you do in college? What did you study in college? I studied uh, psychology. Okay. So, yeah. Well, that's perfect for what you do. I mean, not really. Yeah. <laughs> psychology is just, <laughs> you know, people say that a lot, but, you know, I'm, I was learning about like neurotransmitters and stuff, you know, it doesn't really, uh, but um, where was I? Um, yeah, so you moved yeah. back to. Uh, yeah. Once I moved back to Houston, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do, how to apply my fucking psych degree into the workforce. And but while I was doing that, I was like, hey, there's this, there's this whole Houston comedy scene, an actual city comedy scene and i started doing you know stand up there and then and then i was surprised at how i was starting to achieve success there pretty quickly and then i was like maybe i want to do this maybe i want to give this a serious thought instead of having it just be a fun hobby i told my mom she cried but um you know as i started getting real success there i, I kept showing i kept updating my mom like you know i have like a little some like indie newspaper wrote an article about me and I showed it to my mom. So my mom, not, not so that she could be proud of me, but that so that she could be less worried about me and, and feel like, yeah. okay, he's he, there. Maybe there is something uh, to this. So, so yeah. And then, and then and I was also like a, a, I was a teacher as well. So, I mean, I was, I wasn't making any money doing comedy. I'm still That's not really right. you're, you're a high school teacher, right? Yeah, I was when I was in Houston. And I saw the, uh, like when you uh, posted that the one true religion clip that, that there was I think one of your former students was like oh this guy was my high school teacher and this yeah. totally blew me away I had no idea yeah uh, a lot a lot of people will, will post will post things like that that are that are fake I don't know people people are so strange on the internet like this attention oh. seeking so like people are posting I remember I did like some like um, yeah I got this comment on one multiple but one a lot that I was suspicious of but one I was able to like. Do some investigation on where this guy was like, yeah, this guy who's my teacher can't believe it. Da, da, da. And I was like, who is this kid? And I looked, looked him up, and his like his birth date was like listed. Like, um, there's just no way I taught this kid on this YouTube <laughs> subscriber. He just he was just making it up for no reason. But yeah, yeah. But that I, being I, said, I know I know that I know the ones like they're also um, my actual former students comment on there as well. Um, so you know whatever, it's neat. It, it's nice that I was able to. When I first started teaching, I had to like try to keep it a big secret that I was a teach that I was a stand-up comedian. Um, so I like removed all my videos, all my YouTube videos from the internet. So I thought I made them unlisted. Um, wow. But some of my students that first week, really, it was a gr group of girls, you know, young male teacher, and they were just googling away at me, I guess, and and googled me harder than I googled myself, and found like some some like Muslim news online news publication had uh, had my clip on and they somehow found that. And then the whole, you know, all my classes. Yeah, knew yeah. Stand up. Um, yeah, man. That's so, so you, you, so, so you're, you're doing this and you could, you tell your mom and then she cries and then, you know, you decide, okay, I'm going to go ahead and do this. And you get these uh, little, little successes where you, um, did you know that you were fun? Well, because you're fucking funny, right? But did you know, like, as in, in because there are certain kinds of comedians. There's some comedians I know. Yeah. Just no, to answer, to, yeah, yes, I did. Like, I was a, uh, 
I was a funny guy with my friends, and uh, I, I owe a lot of it to my my friends that I grew up with. Uh, you know, those American friends I was talking about, because mm-hmm. that was sort of our friendship culture was just like brutally shitting on each other, making fun of each other constantly, and a lot of times it was you know them ganging up on me. Uh, so, and, and I was just, I was you know funny and funny in the, in class. You know, I I, I always trying to find ways to make people laugh. Um, so yeah, I, I, I wasn't one of those comedians who was just, you know, just a writer and just sort of, um, which there's a lot of those, you know, there's a lot of comedians you meet and they're like, you oh, know, I wasn't really a funny guy. I just, you know, stand up comedy is like a craft, you know, anyone, anyone can learn it, anyone can pursue it. But, uh, but no, I was, I would say I was a funny, funny kid growing up. Yeah. There's a, the way that you um, work is like your delivery and your timing and uh, you know all of those aspects. It seems like it comes very naturally to you. Did you take any courses or any? Um, no, 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 no. Nothing. Just, no. just kind of writing joke structure. Anything? Nothing like that. No, man. Like, uh, and this is sort of a old school belief, but uh, yeah, I don't think you know. I don't think anyone should take stand up comedy classes. That like I don't know. It's a little bit of an emotional thing for me. Not emotional, but I am biased in that. Like obviously, you could take a stand up course and uh, it can't hurt you. But I think mostly they're they're a little predatory. And I don't think you need to to really to get a school and to go through comedy school. Just go to open mics, man. Like any any city, it'll have its comedy scene and it'll have its open mics. And that's that's the breeding ground. Those are the trenches. That's where you learn. You just learn by doing, and you learn by watching your peers. And, uh, and that's how you do it. And I, obviously I'm biased cause that's how I did it. And I kind of, maybe I romanticized it a little too much, but, um, yeah, I never took any courses. And I think for the most part, you don't really, you don't really need to just, just go up at the open mics and, and just start so your first open mic ever. Um, you're going up on, have you, had you ever, you know, you said you play guitar and everything. Had you ever been up on stage? Did you have stage fright? Um, no, I, yeah, I had crazy stage fright. Um, and I remember, yeah, I remember being, uh, my, my, my friends all came out. Um, that's another classic mistake. So if anyone is thinking about doing it, if there's any young, not Muslim comedian, not Muslim comedians who want to try it, don't bring your friends out to support you for your first open mic. Cause you'll just regret that. Cause, uh, you know, you're not going to be funny at first. It's just like anything else. You know, you're not going to be good at it at first. You'll learn to become good at it. So yeah. My supportive friends came out and watched me like brutally bomb. Were nice about it, I guess. You know, the, the girls, my girlfriends to this day, will who are there will still be like, "No, it was funny that first time, but it wasn't. It was terrible." Um, but yeah, it was just uh, it's a bar in Houston that no longer exists. And uh, brought out my friends. I did the open mic. It went terribly. Did it again. Went terribly. And then oh, wait, is this the first time it goes terribly? How long between the first time and the second time? It was a week. A week. What is it? Um, what made you want to go up? Did you did you have the sense that I, I guess that's where the security aspect comes in, where you said that you're 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 very secure and sort of self assured, because it would take a lot of that to go up and because yeah. I've seen a lot of people and that's where they get eliminated. They just start feeling like shit about themselves and they think, okay. So you bombed the first time, you bombed the second time too? Yeah. Um, but, you know, they weren't like, like, uh, I mean, they were, they were complete bombs, but like, 
I, I, I got like maybe a little chuckle here from like one guy, you know, and that was enough to keep me going. And then it's a lot of also like, once you go for the first time, going for the first time is the fucking scariest thing in the world. Yeah. And so once you do that, then going up a second time is tremendously easier. So, um, then oh, so I, yeah. like, what do you have to lose? That kind of thing. Exactly. And I'd done it once and you know, it was exciting. It's so exciting. Um, and then I wanted to do it again. And then after the second time, something clicked in my head. A lot of people, a lot of people, they get this from the very first time they get on stage. I didn't get it. I didn't really get like, what makes a joke a joke? Like set up punchline. How do you actually do that? And uh, cause again, you know, I didn't take a class or anything. So I had to figure it out on my own. Something clicked. And then the third time I went up, uh, I had all these new jokes and there were actually jokes this time. And, uh, and they worked and yeah, for the most part. And then, and then that's when I was like on board. Yeah. And it Not was professionally, but just to keep, just to keep doing it. Right. It was a move to New York because of the comedy. Yes. Yeah. It was, what? um, you know, I've been doing comedy for six years in Houston and, uh, I really like hit, hit a ceiling in, in, in Texas comedy and getting to the point where I'm, I'm at six, I'm, like, I'm at six years. I've done all I can in Texas. I need to either move now to New York or LA before I become one of those guys who've been doing it for 10 years in Texas and have invested so much that now it would be silly to move. You know, I want to move while it's still a smart option to move. You know what I mean? Like after 10 yeah. years, then you don't want to start over after 10 years, but after yeah. five, six years, you can start over as still a young guy and, and go and, and go and do it. I, I was, so, you know, when I was growing up, and I, I had told you before, I'm an old man. So, you know, when I was growing up, uh, first thing I heard, I think when I was uh, 11 years old was uh, Eddie Murphy's Delirious. Yeah. We outside Arabia heard it very quietly. And then someone sneaked me a VHS tape of Raw when Raw came out. And someone brought it from, you know, the US, one of the kids who was going there. And I watched that every time my parents would be away from the house yeah. over and over again. Yeah. Uh, so I got pretty addicted to it in a sense. Yeah. It, it just, to me, was a purest art form because I used to play guitar, I used to play music. I thought, oh, it's, you know, so I, I've got generally an artistic kind of family. A lot of people do different things. Um, and, but this was just you and your microphone. It's just your brain, your voice, and a microphone. Yeah. Right. And you can just yell really loud. You don't even need the microphone. The microphone's just an amplification element. That's it. Um, yeah. There's no instruments. There's no, there's nothing else. And, and you can just using that, you can have, you know, an audience completely enraptured for an hour, two hours. And yeah. if make, you're, you know, if you're really good, you know, like Eddie Murphy, well, yeah. if you're really good and, and just get, you know, loads of money for it too. But yeah, so, so I just thought it was, but there weren't any, so I'd seen, um, I'd seen these comedians that we just talked about, I'm a huge fan of Dave Chappelle and, and these guys too. Uh, but I hadn't seen a lot of, I was like, okay, well, I guess brown people, Pakistanis, Indians, you know, they don't really go into comedy. But recently, in the last 10 years, yeah, um, I noticed a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of people, you know, who've come out and they've started, you know, doing comedy. So, uh, you know, Aziz Ansari is one of them. Yep. Uh, Kamel Nanjiani, he had a special called Beta Male, you know, before he did all yeah. the other stuff, which was great. Kamel's great. Kamel, Kamel's the best brown comedian. <laughs> That's what I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, Kamel's I mean, no, my I mean, favorite brown comedian. Yeah. 
Yeah, he is. He's he's absolutely hilarious. And and the um, so what's funny is that you know Kamel when he used to do his uh, stand up back in the early days, he used to, he used to talk about you know um, well he was an atheist, right? So he used to talk about it. Aziz Ansari, there was an article written about him in the New York Times uh, where they said that he was religious or he was Muslim. He sent them a correction, and then they had to. The New York Times corrected. He's like, he does not identify, identify as Muslim. Mister Ansari is an atheist. And but these guys, I've noticed that in the in the comedy world, especially, uh, it seems like they uh, this idea of being. And you you talked about George Carlin. You talked about like you know a bunch of other people, and it really seems like um, and you yourself included. What is it about comedians? that are brown that so such a disproportionate number of them are not religious i i mean is it yeah. that you know you're you're talking about challenging norms you're talking about looking at things around you establishments or structures and trying to break it all down and it just kind of naturally fits or maybe yeah um so hassan he's an he's an exception hassan minaj he's a practicing muslim yeah yeah um, uh, there are many uh, exceptions too. Right? Yeah, yeah. Dave Chappelle, he's Muslim. Yeah, uh, but um, but but yeah, even they, they, I mean, they're not super super like Dave Chappelle. Yeah, never talks Dave, about. Dave, I don't, I don't, I don't want to say anything. Actually, but uh, I know, I know Hassan. Like, I don't. Yeah, I know Hassan is like pretty like five a day Muslim from what I've heard. Um, but uh, Dave seems probably that like he'd be more mellow. But anyways, um, I think it's that, but I, I don't know if it's particular with Islam. Like, I mean, um, I think the same proportion would apply to like uh, American comedians who grew up Christian. I mean, I know, yeah. I know very few Christian comedians. I know very few Muslim comedians, but, uh, but yeah, I think you're right. I think it's um, stand up is linked to, I don't know. I don't like romanticizing stand-up too much, so I don't want to say it's like, oh, it's about like freedom of thought or anything like that. I think I think that maybe that aspect is there, but I think it's also just like um, stand-up is sort of a debaucherous world, and so like um, it takes place in bars. Uh, it's a lot of alcohol involved. It's, it's profane, you know. So I think that serves as a filter from religion. And then, and then there, there also is like a world of religious, like clean family comedy and it's usually pretty bad comedy, but, um, it, it exists, but yeah, you're right. It's not, it's not in the world of when we think of like the greats of stand up. it's definitely not. Yeah. I mean, I've noticed that even, even the ones who are, I, I, you know, that, uh, the HBO series crashing that Pete Holmes did. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so you know, I was watching, and then he 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 was a sort of a Christian comedian, um, and he kind of is holding on to it and not really in doubts. And like it was, it was a really good story. But I've kind of seen that. I guess you know, when your job is to um, go out and really take everything, a lot of it's self-deprecating. So you take things about yourself, about the things that you believed in or the things you identify with, and you try to find you know holes in it and, and just find, I guess, materials. Yeah. It sort of feels like it's a it's a natural way to. Uh, go it is, it. you know. I, I was being a little harsh earlier. I mean, yeah, stand up, stand up is uh, about finding an angle, finding uh, an observation, finding something uh, that you have on your own that's a thought that you can make into a joke that no one else has. So I think like 
the pressure for stand-up comedians to be original, to have your own thought, to be, to, you know, say, then that goes hand in hand with sort of thinking critically, which, you know, you could argue goes hand in hand with, you know, criticizing religion. Yeah. So, so we talk, so your family uh, kind of, I mean, they, they've seen your bits and they've seen um, your performances and, and uh, how, how they reacted to it. Um, supportive, like, uh, you know, I'm glad I ended up making, cause when I, when, you know, when I first started stand up, um, you know, my first year, the jokes were not what I am now. The jokes were just like sort of crass, you know, jokes. And, uh, at that point, my mom would have been very ashamed of my comedy, but, um, you know, my parents have good taste in comedy, like, uh, growing up, uh, they really monitored what I was allowed and not allowed to watch, but they made exceptions for shows that they enjoy. So I would watch Seinfeld or, and SNL and The Simpsons with my parents because they enjoyed those shows. So they have good taste in comedy. And um, eventually when I sort of started finding myself as a comedian and what kind of stuff I want to do and bring to the table, um, then like a little, a little bonus to that was that, uh, wow, I'm becoming a comedian that for the most part, my parents would be on board with because even my dad, you know, again, my dad, my dad's a religious Muslim, but he's not some sort of a zealot or anything. He's a open-minded guy. He's, he has a lot of interests and he loves comedy as well. So even all my material where I, I make fun of Muslims or Islam, my dad enjoys that as well. So, so I, I am blessed to have, you know, cool parents in that regard and, and they, they enjoy my comedy, which is, which is really nice because I you know so many Muslims and uh, American or, or Canadian who like, you know, are growing up with that sort of cultural battle where you're raised by immigrants. Um, then a lot of times, you know, I, I, I grew up with so many of them. Um, uh, so many kids in my generation grew up and uh, ha have either two options. They could either not show their parents their true selves or they can show them their true selves and be shunned in, you know, different levels, you know, but yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm one of the very lucky ones where I, I get to, my parents appreciate my work. I appreciate my kind, I appreciate who I am. So I get to, I get to actually be myself uh, with my, you know, immigrant parents, my Muslim dad, and it's totally, it's fine. It's great. So I feel blessed for that. Yeah, no, that's awesome. It's a, so Houston has a huge uh, Desi community or South Asian. Yes, very, very, very big. Very yeah. big, yeah. No, just, so, um, you know, was there, a, you know, your your, your parents probably been coming from Pakistan, probably had other Pakistani friends or Indian friends or uh, Muslim friends and so on. Yes. Yeah. Um, how did they, I mean, not just the comedy, but overall, you know, you going out becoming sort of less religious and then eventually becoming an atheist. How uh, was there any reaction from them? Did you get any backlash? Was there any? Because uh, until a few years, I mean, even now, it's it's a serious thing. Apostasy from Islam. I mean, he became an apostate. He leave the religion. It's considered a big crime. I actually, no. You know, one of my really good friends is in jail in Saudi Arabia. Wow. Um, uh, his name is Raif Badawi. I think a lot of people know about him. He's a he was nominated for the Nobel Prize twice, Peace Prize. Um, so he's like a prisoner of conscience, and and he's jailed. Uh, now it's been, I think, seven years just for writing a blog. And he, he wasn't even wow. an open atheist or anything. He just wanted to talk about secularism, separation of religion yeah. and state. And they charged him with apostasy. 
So it's actually, so you know, you were talking about your questions about Adam and Eve, right? And there's this guy named Mashal Khan in Pakistan who asks mm. the same questions in his dorm room at the university at a university in Peshawar, and they, they lynched him the next day. Wow. Death, right. So it's a, and, and, but so, so, I mean, even, even though that stuff doesn't really happen in the U S anymore or in Canada, you know, apart from very rare instances, um, it's still a taboo to mm -hmm. sort of be part of the Muslim community and say, okay, I don't believe in God anymore. Uh, yeah. And since, you know, you're out there, you're in public, you're doing gigs, you're talking about it openly. Um, was there any backlash from sort of like family, friends, relatives? No, I mean, no, there wasn't. Um, again, again, I feel lucky with the people I grew up with, but um, yeah, I mean, the, the Pakistani community is so large in Houston where you're not really like, it's always an advantage of having like a large community is that you're not sort of stuck with this few people you get to sort of pick and choose you know so um the community that i was growing up on my family friends were pretty open people and i mean they were all muslim but it, there was never this craziness to it or, or you know so, yeah um, and and you know that being said i'm i'm 100 sure that you know behind my parents back and behind my back they might have some negative for sure, some of them had some negative things to say. I mean, I don't, I'm not thinking of anyone specifically, but just laws of probability dictate that, you know, someone had something negative to say about it behind our backs, but it was, it was behind our backs. So that's good. That's fine. Thank you for not making it a thing, you know, that we have to deal with. Um, so, so yeah, no, it was, I, well, I'm very, bad, well, he's better than Dane Cook. Like, sorry. No, no, it was a bad Dane Cook. I should never make jokes to comedians. No, make jokes, you know. No, no. Uh, no, there's a um, no. I I think uh, I think that's sort of true. I mean, when I when I wrote the book and it became very public, because before I used to restrict the number of people I used to talk to about this, um, it didn't feel like it. It felt like it would be much a, a huge deal. It was like, okay, once this comes out and people know, there's a lot of people who are just going to stop talking to me, and and it didn't happen. Yeah, you know? that's nice. It didn't happen. And it was funny because, uh, you know, my, my book's called The Atheist Muslim. It came out in New York, right? So it was a, it came out in the U.S. Mm -hmm. um, and um, and I've told the story here before. My mom, who I had always argued with growing up, and she used to say, you get really annoying when you talk against religion. And she didn't like it. Then I put all that annoying stuff in yeah. a book and wrote it. And then she, she um, the day that the book came out, she told me, she's like, um, it'll do very well, inshallah. Nice. <laughs> and uh, I, you know, I, I would have made that the cover blurb if she said it earlier. Yeah. yeah. So That's it, it is. I, I feel like there's a normalization element uh, happening because uh, it's you know for a long time people didn't really see this kind of thing. You know, yeah. at least when I was growing up, I mean, they sent Salman Rushdie. Everybody wanted him dead. I mean, you had to go yeah. into hiding and. Um, just for writing a book. Uh, yeah. And now I think it's just, you know, the, the whole idea of secular Muslims or this, and this is one thing that I think is great about your story is that we hear a lot about the sort of the formula story of really, really oppressive religious parents and the kids trying to bust out. Um, but, you know, you, you've got a Republican religious dad and you've yeah. got a mom who's sort of, 
Uh, she's secular, and then you have you know your family split half, and everybody gets along, everybody talks, and yeah. nobody is done anything, and you go out and you talk about it openly. So I think that's uh, yeah, and that, those are my favorite. That's my favorite way to approach subjects where it's like, here here's a story I can tell about culture, which I'm you know my audience is Americans, you know my my audience is largely non-Muslims, non-Pakistanis. So here's a part of my story I can tell that won't reinforce what they believe about Muslims and Pakistanis, but it will instead add nuance to it. And we're like, huh, I didn't, I didn't think of it. I couldn't think of a picture of a family that way. That wasn't my image of a Pakistani family or a Muslim family. Right, right. So I, I, I try to go for that and not, not even for like some humanitarian reason, just because that makes for better comedy if it's something that's interesting and not something that they've heard before. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, we've got about, uh, I, I don't know, five or six minutes left. Might go a couple of minutes over if that's okay. Yeah, totally fine. Yeah, so I, I, because I want to talk to you about this one thing that was, um, uh, that I've thought about again. You know, your your comedy's the, the stuff that I've seen is it's it's really smart. It's really nuanced. Um, Thanks, and the reason that I played the burqa ban piece is because this is something I've thought of for a long time, and I've never really been figured out how to exactly articulate it. Um, and much less do it in a way that makes people laugh and that has punchlines the way that you did, is that there's this, you know, there's the woke liberal side, yeah, right, that just wants you to, um, I, I, from my perspective, and I, I am a leftist like you, like a leftist liberal guy like you, and they they just want you to be really Muslim because you know they have that narrative. You know, I, yeah. I've I've gone to like I when I went to my brother used to live in California for a bit, went to visit him, went to a party and. Uh, that I walked into the thing, uh, and they told me, they're like, oh, listen, you know, if you want, uh, uh, you know, the non-alcoholic, they're telling me yeah. where the non-alcoholic things yeah. are, they're trying to find, and then I felt bad. I was like, if I say that I don't believe in this stuff, you know, it's going to, yeah. it felt like it would. Well, they're doing it for themselves, you know, it's the same as, like, it's the mirror of, like, the, in, like, the 90s when the Christian conservative right were real big about, like, you know, Marilyn Manson or whatever. And they have their own ways to make themselves feel like good people, you know, yeah. and like going to church and all that. And then I get very bothered at all this woke wokeness. Cause it's, I, I, I noticed that. And I, that was refreshing to me, especially considering that you're a fellow left liberal, but you know, at the same time, uh, there's also then on the other side, you know, here I am, I'm, I'm somebody who in, in my book, I criticized Islam. I talked about, you know, why I don't believe in it. And why I decided not to go for any other religion either. That's another thing I get a lot on Twitter, especially. He's like, well, you left Islam, but Jesus is waiting. Yeah. Why, you, why yeah. would I? Why yeah. Would you? Uh, yeah, this makes no sense, but this makes a lot of sense. Like, it's the same, <laughs> it's the it's same just, thing. Yeah. yeah, when it comes to the belief and, and believing in things without any evidence, it's exactly the same thing. Yeah. So, so you have this other side, and you have the Trump presidency, and, and there's all of this rhetoric about, you know, Muslims and, you know, they're – and, and, and there's a part of me that wants to, ever since sort of Trump got elected, is I, I don't want to criticize it the way that I used to before. Yeah, dude. Because I yeah. don't, you, you know what I mean? Uh, it's, yeah, 100%. I, I, I want to like, be honest um, and I want to talk about it. I want to talk about it the same way, but I, I want to, the messaging, um, like it's it's weird because I don't want to hold back and I don't want to say okay I'm not gonna. I love talking about this. This is extremely interesting because it's like yeah. in the times of Trump, like I don't like I don't think like old school Bill Maher sort of takes on Islam 
um, are good during like this whole Trump era, you know, where Muslims are really under attack. And um, and then to call, to make the paint with these broad strokes about like the dangers of, of Islam, where there's all these people who are salivating to, to hear like stuff like that because they're so angry at Muslims, you know? So, hold on. so there's a lot of stuff I want to say. So um, yeah. first thing I want to say is that like during the Trump presidency, it's sort of like, um, I identify as a Muslim more in a weird way. Like I'm not a practicing Muslim at all. I don't believe in Islam, but when I see like the leader of the country, like attack Muslims, I'm thinking about, you know, my immediate family, all the Pakistanis and the Muslims that I grew up with. So I get, I get like, like, how dare you say that about us Muslims, you know, as someone who's not Muslim, but I still, I feel like I feel I identify more as a Muslim culturally. I think now that we feel a little bit under threat. Okay, I'm going to interrupt you just for a second because I want this to I want the audience and the people listening to this to bookmark this. Okay, so um, I talked, you know, we've talked earlier about this article that you know Fried Zakaria, also a very uh, prominent guy from the Muslim community. He's an Indian Muslim, raised Indian Muslim. He's secular now. He wrote an article in 2015 when Trump announced his uh, Muslim ban. Right. Remember when he was running for president, he's like, we've got a ban, temporary yeah. ban. Or, 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 at that time, he just said, we've got a ban all Muslims coming into yeah. the country. So, so we figure out what's going on. That's what he kept we'll saying. Figure out what's so going we'll on. figure out what's going on. <laughs> and then so the, I, that week, um, Fareed Zakaria wrote an article in the Washington Post. And the title was, uh, I am a Muslim. Right. And then he said, you know, but I'm outraged at what the Republicans are doing now, not because I'm Muslim, but because I'm, I'm American. But the title was I am a Muslim, and the whole article was about how he's embracing the Muslim identity. This is something he didn't do it before. He was a wine critic yeah. for Slate, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is a guy who came from a Muslim family from India, went to Harvard, became one of the most influential journalists in the world, where yeah. you know presidents of the US have taken meetings with him to see what he thinks about things yeah. and what they should do, take you know, counseling and advice from him. And so this guy really moved beyond that identity. And then he wrote in the article, he's like, you know, I haven't been to a mosque in ages. You know, I know my wife is Christian, my kids, I haven't raised a Muslim. You know, my own views, I'm somewhere between agnosticism and deism. So essentially he's not a believing Muslim yeah. at all. Uh, but you can't, yeah, you can't say that in the, in the like, like, you can be culturally Jewish, that sort of exists. But like, I don't know if saying you're a culturally Muslim really exists, you know? That, that's the point I'm trying to get to. So. So Fareed Zakaria, now he has embraced this Muslim identity, not the Islamic belief, but the Muslim identity. And so, you know, he, we have this guy who had a birth identity. He moved beyond it. He reached beyond it. He integrated. And this is what they want, like integrate, integrate, integrate. Yeah. And then he integrates. And then you have this rhetoric and this bullshit that comes from Trump and now all of the Republican Party, um, this right wing sort of nut jobbery. And that causes him to go back yeah right and embrace the other thing which is what i was saying right now and which is what you're saying too like yeah. there's a like a, a well, girl i mean i will say there's a difference between me and him in that like i'm not going yeah. out on stage and telling people hey guys i'm a muslim comedian now you know i'm going on stage talking about how i'm not muslim i don't identify as muslim. But i just mean like internally like i felt it in like when when um when when muslims are being attacked yeah. uh I felt attacked, right? That's, that's sort of what I mean. Like, that's sort of like, it's subconsciously, like I'm not, it didn't change how I 
want people to perceive me. I don't want people to perceive me as a Muslim, but I do. When Trump attacks Muslims, I feel attacked myself. And it's because he's attacking, you know, the people I grew up with, the people who raised me, the people that I, that I, uh, that I love. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, I guess it was just a comment on that on, uh, it, it ironically brings people who are not Muslims, like a little bit closer to their identity. I don't know if I would go out and write an article and say that I'm Muslim, you know, but, um, yeah. well, I mean, I think he's, that's the kind of thing he does. I mean, he comments on like his, um, his medium is different. You, you kind of, I think the way that you do things in, in your medium, you get a lot of, uh, not not this specific point, but a lot of similar points across that. And and I think, uh, uh, arguably, I think that comedians and artists and, and musicians, and I think they tend to do it in a more sort of effective way um, mm -hmm. because your guard's down, right? Um, so I, I know that, you know, you haven't written an article, but I, I just think that this is an internal process that's happening. Like there's this, huge argument now about, you know, hijab and, and, you know, girls, should they wear the hijab? Is it oppression or is it not oppression? And, and, you know, I've, uh, I've talked about girls when I've, I've corresponded and I've, to young women, you know, young girls in high school and college who have argued, they have doubts about the hijab. Yeah. Their parents always made them wear it. They argued with their parents. They're trying to say, well, you know, the Quran doesn't say this, or they, they're having their sort of internal rebellion with their parents within their community. And then, you know, this whole thing comes out about, you know, we got a ban on Muslims from entering the U.S. And suddenly, you know, they're, they want to keep it on because yeah. now it's not a, it's not, a, it's turned from an ideological argument that we're having with their parents internally. Yeah. Great. To an identity thing. So it's gone from Islamic belief. To yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, it's good. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. So, um, and that's happening a lot. And I, I think it's very, if, if that's what they want to do, if they want, I, I, I don't think it's good for, you know, what we do with secular jihadists is we're trying to normalize the idea of secularism, atheism, agnosticism, yeah. being able to leave your faith, just like all of the other lapsed Catholics, secular Jews, you know, they joke yeah, about it all yeah. the time. So we're trying to normalize that for the Muslim world because a lot of young Muslims are, are, are leaving yeah. the faith. Uh, but it's, it's interesting, you know, like the, 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 the unique place Islam is right now because, um, you know, I, I think it's a little bit like, like, again, I'll go back to Bill Maher, you know, like I think Bill Maher, yeah. Bill Maher, like during the Obama administration, when, when Obama was, you know, bombing Muslims, but no one cared, like, like the overall, the country, the country didn't hate Muslims. I mean, you know, uh, as much, I don't know, I'm making crazy generalizations, but you know what I mean, right? There wasn't this yeah. whole ban Muslims movement under Obama like there is under Trump. So I'll say that. Yeah. Um, so Bill Maher during those days, like the movie, like uh, you know, whatever that movie he was, but, but you know, he, he was one of the, the people on the left who would really go after Islam. Oh, and, um, yeah. yeah. And at the time I, 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 uh, I enjoyed that. But now when, uh, you know, people Muslims are really like in a lot of ways under attack in this country under Trump, who's like, you know, has white nationalists in his circle. Um, I think Bill Maher, that whole Bill Maher take of just like, let's shit on Islam. It's like we shit on Christianity. I think it can be a little reckless. I mean, obviously we could still, uh, you know, make fun of anyone who believes anything, but um, I think it's, 
more dangerous now to be like, it's Islam. Like if, if you look at the problems in the Middle East, let's blame Islam. And I think like, no, putting it just on the religion, I think is silly. Like let's, let's look at geopolitics. Let's, let's look at why, like what are the underlying reasons why there's so many problems with uh, the Middle East to say it's Islam itself, I think um, is not only lazy, but I think it's, it's dangerous right now yeah. in, the, in the current climate. Yeah. And I think we have more of a more of a responsibility to look at history and why it is that people in less prosperous countries after World War One and the British divided everything up and put in puppet leaders and all these revolutions have to happen and, and all this strife and all these power vacuums and you analyze all that and then and then you can paint a clear picture of why there's all these problems in the Middle East. Um, but that old Bill Murray and oh look at look at these Muslims, I think we need to put in the past now. Yeah. I, I, I think that the way that the message is being said has to be, ha, has to change. Um, well, you know, one thing I would just I, I would so I actually agree with you. I think that um, I feel like different sides don't take in take into account different things. So I partly agree with you and partly disagree with you in the sense that uh, in with a lot of over here, there's like this, uh, the, you know, the left and the liberals, they kind of really focus on the foreign policies, foreign policy, foreign policy, the U.S. foreign policy. What we've done has really screwed up everything there. But having grown up there, um, the Islamic theocracy there, like the government of Pakistan, the way they have all of these insane laws and that yeah. they can no, back no, I, up I, because I, of versus the thing is, I became aware and, and you can't go up again. You can be a lawyer in court of, saying, know, "Okay, I want this." Just like people living here have certain experiences. I had you know, my fifty-year-old guy. I did, and they're like, uh, "Well, and there's a lot of things new things that they'll pull it out, and then you can't say anything because then it becomes a law." Everybody's so my family. There are of this in a way that is corresponding with all these people from all over the world. So it is. I mean, I guess that's one of the things about this, about just going through this experience with, you know, our sort of religious upbringing or South Asian upbringing. And then um, whether it's comedy or whether it's writing books, whatever it is, you continue to you, you continue to learn new things and yeah, your mind open and you've made like massive changes in your life. You know, you grew up in a religious family and you change your mind. You thought for yourself, it's very clear from your comedy that you are sort of very self-aware, very introspective and you do think for yourself. Um, that's actually one of the most important things. Like it, it never matters I agree. Whether, yeah. whether I agree or disagree with people because I actually enjoy disagreeing with people because that's the kind that's of fun. work I do. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, but um, I just have a lot of respect for people who are open. So um, Same here. Man. Yeah, I, so I'm gonna, uh, unless there's, if there, is there, I, I, get, I is there anything you want to say, number one? And the other thing is, how can people find you? What can they... I know you have a YouTube channel, but... Yeah. Do you have anything else set up where people can... Um, okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, just uh, Jafra Khan, just on YouTube. I have, I have like... That's where you really watch my stand-up. Um, I have started this new project I'll plug with... Uh, it's, it's, it's strange. It's not for everyone, as I've seen so far. It's, like, my stand-up has done pretty well on YouTube. This new project has not, but that's okay. Maybe, maybe some people will like it, but I like it. Um, I'm not doing a good job advertising it. It's very good. It's, uh, it's me and my old buddy from Houston. We're both quarantined right now. And we used to have a lot of fun together, um, as two comedians. And so now we're, we've Albert. just been doing these, these zoom sketches, um, five a week about just being on lockdown quarantine 
and it's it's me and my buddy Albert DeLeon, and it's just uh, it's just called Joffre and Albert. So on Instagram, look up Joffre and Albert. You do the same on YouTube. We're trying to get our Instagram thing going. We just started it like um, maybe three weeks ago, but because we have so much time on our hands, we have we're trying to do a, a video a day, Monday through Friday. So we got 15 videos up um, in three weeks, uh, which is something. But uh, I think they're very funny, so check them out, Joffrey and Albert. Uh, yeah, I've seen them. I, I saw one where you were talking about your family problems, and he was – <laughs> he just kept on yeah the the one about the adopted cousin everything yes so yeah that, yeah, yeah. i definitely play the straight man in this duo albert's <laughs> the, the crazy guy that uh so so I'm, yeah i think they're very funny i hopefully you know if you like them if you check them out you might like them too yeah so yeah joffer and albert check that out your instagram handle uh joffercon comic joffercon comic okay so all of this stuff is gonna be in the description of the video for everybody who's listening and really, do go and and check this out. I mean, this guy's like, um, yeah. Watch my stand up first on uh, on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. Just watch it. It's it's funny. It's insightful. It's really really smart. Um, and man, I I hope to uh, you know see you rise to this. I hope a lot of other people uh, learn about thanks, you. Man. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I had a, I had a great time. This was this is a really good thing you got going. Yeah, no, I, I love it, and I think that um, we're going to. Yeah, it'd, it'd be great to talk again. We should. And yeah, if you have to Toronto to do gigs after this whole quarantine thing is over, uh, then yeah, yeah, let's do it. I'll be there. It's going to be fun. So, all right. Uh, thanks, everybody. The Secular Jihadists have been made possible thanks to the Illuminati and the covert support of Israel and the CIA. That's what we have been told, but we haven't received our checks yet. If you like what we do, please support us. Share the podcast with your friends. Write and tweet us with topic and guest suggestions. Or head over to secularjihadist.com and give a dollar or more for exclusive access to live video. Have your questions read and answered on the air and more. Till next time, may the flying spaghetti monster be with you.